Chapter 33 of Arona Hunting Down a Cot The three stone bridges are finished being repaired, and they've started on the outer wall. New cast stone will be even stronger. Chelsiah nodded, acknowledging the urgency of their situation. Good. Thank you, Troy. We need that wall up as quickly as possible. Our enemies could show up at any time and try to take back the city. I agree. Luckily, with this many soldiers from so many kingdoms, we should be able to rebuild the outer wall quickly. I recommend moving the royal tent to the island. It's much safer there. Another spy was discovered just yesterday. Please, it's not safe here on the cliff's edge anymore. Plus, it would be a lot easier to oversee the rebuilding of Castone from inside the new walls, Your Majesty. Troy said, smiling. Don't combi that. I'm glad you're staying with me, though. You've proven yourself to be quite useful. Your skills and strategy are far better than your skills on the dance floor. The princess joked, laughing as she pulled in Troy for a kiss when no one was looking. Very funny. I just hope your grandfather and the others can wipe out the Taronks once and for all and get back here before things get worse. Chelsiah sighed knowing that their current control of their own had caused tension and resentment between the victorious kingdoms. Did the men learn anything from that captured spy? No, he won't talk, replied Troy. I'm worried, princess. If several of the other kingdoms team up against us, they can take control of their own. I wish her grandfather would have left more soldiers. Yes, I can feel the secret deals and lobbying all around us now that we have control of the city again. That universal panic to survive that bonded the many kingdoms is over. It has been quickly replaced by generational hatred. Time passed slowly as the soldiers from the victorious kingdoms tried to work together to rebuild Castone and safeguard the Aron. Tensions ran high as old rivalries flared up and several fights broke out when bitter wounds were exposed. The remaining kingdoms, once fierce enemies, were now forced to work together in these unusual circumstances. As dusk settled over the makeshift camp, the princess gathered the kings, queens, and leaders of the many kingdoms around a large round table in her royal tent. Thank you all for joining me tonight. Now that our alliance has taken back control of your own, we must hurry and continue to build a stronger and better new castone. But before she could continue, an old alien-like queen with wrinkled gray skin spoke up. The people of the Forgians are trying to take control of the Aron. My intelligence tells me they plan to betray us and take over New Castone for themselves. A blue-skinned humanoid king with a gray beard slammed his fist on the table, his eyes blazing with anger. Lies! How dare you accuse us! We will never forget the genocide of our people at your hand when you invaded our kingdom. The tent erupted in chaos as insults and accusations were hurled and fingers were pointed. The princess tried desperately to calm her fellow leaders. Please, please, sit down. We must put our histories and differences aside for now to rebuild Gaston before we are attacked. But her words fell on deaf ears and she stormed out of the tent. I just don't know what to do. She confided in Troy. I need my grandfather. They listen to him. They respect him. I'm just a little girl to these kings and queens. That's not true. 
Many of them look to you for leadership. It comes naturally for you. We'll figure something out, Troy reassured her. Let's get some rest and come up with a plan tomorrow. The following morning, one of the princess's guards came into the tent. Your Majesty, a man wishes to see you. He says that you know him. As the princess and Troy emerged from the grand royal tent, their eyes were immediately drawn to a strange sight. A man, draped in white flowing fabrics, sat atop a large, powerful creature. Yes? How could I help you? asked the princess. The man unwrapped his robes, revealing a familiar face hidden beneath the linen fabric. Jack! exclaimed Troy, running over to pull him off the beast to hug him. I thought you went to know Sir. I did. And then I came here. And Cubby? Where is he? He's still there, trying to figure out how to get home. Something I didn't have the patience for. It's so good to see you. I'm just glad you're safe, Troy beamed. And I'm glad Cubby's safe. What are you doing here? I thought you were trying to get back to Earth. Asked the princess as she walked over. Jack shrugged. I'm not entirely sure. I just couldn't stay in Nocer. I'm not suited for the life of a monk. How can I help? Troy's eyes lit up with excitement. Well, you came at the right time. Things are falling apart here. After Castone was destroyed, every kingdom left soldiers to build new Castone. It seems like no one trusts each other, and there are rumors that certain kingdoms will try to take their own and new Castone for themselves. We could use your help, said Troy eagerly. That is, if you think that's okay, princess. Yes, of course. We could use all the help we can get. Troy has told me that you are quite gifted with ruling back on Earth. Well, I wouldn't call it ruling, but yes, I have a lot of experience with this type of work. Whatever the job is, I'll get it done. Where would you like me to start? My men discovered a spy the other day stealing plans for the new city. You could start there. They have been unable to get him to talk. We need to find out if there is really a plan of deceit. I'd love to. Leave it to me. Meanwhile, King Richard and his large army slowly marched towards the kingdom of the Taronks. The thick mud clung to their boots, causing them to slip and stumble as they trudged forward. To make matters worse, their wagons were constantly getting stuck in the mire, forcing them to call upon giant, woolly, mammoth-like beasts to help dislodge them. After finally making it through the mud plains of northern Middleland, the army passed through a forest of giant mushrooms, as tall as trees. Each of the pink and white mushrooms had hundreds of tentacles that acted as trunks. General Didier, what news of our scouts brought? inquired King Richard. Still nothing, your majesty. All is quiet ahead. We have been inside enemy territory for several days now. This is absurd. Where are they hiding, those cowards? Suddenly a warning horn blasted through the air, startling both the king and his men. The sound was quickly followed by a formation of majestic eagles flying overhead. The eagle in front let out a piercing screech as it suddenly dove right towards King Richard. The rider on its back laughed as he passed dangerously close to the king, causing his bodyguards to panic. Protect the king! roared General Didier as he and the rest of the soldiers scrambled into action. Thankfully, the eagle landed on a high branch of a nearby tree instead of attacking. The rider then proceeded to play a small melody from a fruit-like instrument, signaling that he came in peace from Elden. 
They come in peace, yelled one of the king's ambassadors, who had been specially trained in this type of communication. Comra, coming up from the rear, yelled another soldier. Make way, Elden soldiers coming. The ground shook and elk-like bugling filled the air as an army of Comra emerged from the forest next to the road. The lead Elden soldier rode up to King Richard and his men. King Richard, my name is Trendon. That fool up on the branch is Leafen. Please excuse him. Our king sent me to help you destroy the Taronks. They attacked our city, killed many of our people, but we defeat them, thanks to the help of this Earthman, he said, pointing to Drew who rode behind him. King Richard didn't turn to look at them. His eyes were fixated on the road ahead. I remember you all from your visit to New London. We are thankful to have you join our army, said the king before riding off. His army immediately started to follow him. Good to see you, General Didier. Is everything okay? asked Drew. Yes, everything is fine, responded the general, with a hint of weariness in his voice. The king is focused solely on one objective, destroying a cat and defeating the Tronks once and for all. We are grateful for the support of the Elden. I thought I recognized Leafen when he flew over the king. I'll never forget how useful he was when we rescued the princess. Now if you'll excuse me, I must catch up to his majesty. The army continued to march until they reached a point where smoke could be seen rising in the distance. Leafen flew down and yelled something to Trendon. Dubaraji! Kwasava! Kwasava! What'll he say? asked Drew. He says that the capital of the Tronk burns. As they followed the narrow dirt road through the hills covered in thick jungle, the scent of smoke and ash grew stronger. Finally, they emerged into a clearing where towering vine-covered stone walls stood before them, with plumes of black smoke rising into a red sky above. Prepare the war machines, General DDA commanded. General, look! The gate is open! The city looks abandoned, pointed out Drew. It could be a trap, responded the general. Hold your positions! Leafen flew down and spoke in hushed tones in his native tongue to Trendon, who quickly translated it for the others. Leafen says city empty, Trendon called out. He flew over and saw no one. I'll see for myself, declared the king, kicking his horse into a gallop towards the gate. His soldiers followed closely behind, with Drew and Trenton right behind General Didier and Richard. As they approached the massive stone walls that towered 80 feet high, the king slowed his horse to a cautious pace. It wasn't just their size that was unsettling. Embedded within the cold stone were countless human and alien-like skulls. The silence was eerie, and the large open gate creaking only added to their unease. Carved into the dark wooden gate were intricate scenes depicting when the Tronks were transported to Arona, a giant stone pyramid being struck by lightning, with a cat standing triumphantly on top, surrounded by his followers. Be on guard, whispered the general, as they entered cautiously through the gate. They could be hiding, waiting to ambush us. But the king seemed unfazed by this warning, and rode confidently towards one of the grand buildings in the distance. A cot! Come out and face me, you coward! There's no one here. It's been abandoned, said Drew, as he picked up a piece of rotting fruit from a nearby fruit cart. Undeterred, the king continued on, 
his steed slowly making its way through one of the large stone archways. Let's find out what that smoke is, the king commanded. The army squeezed through the city gates in a slow and steady rhythm. Their feet echoed against the stone roadway, mingling with the sound of clanking horseshoes. The city was a sprawling complex of ancient Mayan-style buildings, statues and shrines, with hundreds of smaller pyramids dotting the landscape. In the heart of the city stood the main temple complex, four towering gray stone pyramids arranged in a square, with a giant white pyramid at its center. As the army entered an inner gate that led into a vast stone courtyard, the smell of death hit them like a wave. The stench was thick and overpowering, coating their nostrils and making them gag. Look, one soldier exclaimed, pointing ahead. They're burning something. Drew, Trendon, and General Didier rushed towards the high, smoldering pile of about 20 feet high and 40 feet wide. Those are people, Drew exclaimed with disgust. The bodies were arranged carefully on top of each other, completely covered in thick black pitch that caused them to be flammable. Drew dismounted his horse and cautiously approached. The pile hissed and crackled, still warm as Drew knelt next to it. It looks like the fire went out yesterday. I can tell- Ah! Suddenly a hand shot out from the bottom of the pile of charred bodies and grabbed Drew's lower leg, causing him to yell in shock. He's still alive! Help me pull him out! Together, Didier, Trendon, and Drew carefully pulled out the individual. As Drew wiped away the sticky pitch covering her face, he realized with surprise that it was a woman. Are you okay? What happened here? Do you speak English? asked Drew as he tried to use part of his clothing to wipe away the pitch that covered her face. Water, was her only response. Quick, get some water, yelled out the general. She sputtered and coughed as Drew carefully poured water into her mouth and propped her up in his arms. I am Yuka, she managed to say between gasps for air. Captured by the trunks when I was 12 years old. Can you tell us what happened here? asked Drew softly. Three days ago, Akat ordered all slaves to be sacrificed in an effort to find the next great offering to go to a higher paradise. Yuka explained weakly. I was one of the first. They cut off the heads of all the men and stabbed all the women in the chest. Drew looked for a chest wound, but couldn't see anything through the thick black pitch. Quick! Bring some her own! She's wounded! Where is a cat? demanded the king, suddenly appearing next to her. He's gone. They all left. Where did they go? The woman didn't respond, and moaned in pain. The king mounted his horse angrily. Cowards! Leafin found their trail. A cat and all his people left out of the northern gate, said Trendon. Hurry! After them! shouted the king as he rode off towards the northern gate. 